Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. By definition, a storyteller conveys events in words, images, and sounds, often by improvisation or embellishment. The Living Bread Radio Network presents The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi. Today you'll hear a faith-based, inspirational story that's both heartfelt and heartwarming. And now, let's meet today's storyteller with Tony Agnesi. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. We're in our third season on radio, but this is our first year that we have video versions of the show, thanks to the Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministries. They'll be presenting the video versions of the program. And uh, each week on the program, we feature an inspirational guest, and we discuss their personal faith journey as well as their ministries that they share as authors, as speakers, as bloggers, podcasters, and radio and television hosts. And today is no uh, exception. Matt Estrade is a, a gerontologist, a speaker and support group facilitator from New Orleans, Louisiana. He hosts the Peace with Dementia podcast, not only for dementia patients, but their important caretakers as well. And Matt is the author of a brand new book, which I've had the pleasure to spend some time with. I try to do it without getting some glare on it, called The Peace with Dementia Rosary, Education, Intentions, and Community. Matt, welcome to the program. Great to have you here. Thanks, Tony. Great to be here. Thank you. You know, I think when people hear the word dementia, this is a a word that, I don't know, recently seems to be uh, spoken much more. Is that because we're more aware of it or more open about it or the stigma is less? Why are we hearing so much more about that category of a variety of things under the heading of dementia? I think it's a few things. Um, I think that we're finding that um, where in the past it may have gone on, maybe not unnoticed, but undiagnosed. And maybe um, what's the right word? Sort of attributed to something else, such as just growing, growing old. Which, although it's not a normal part of the aging, um, so it's been not diagnosed or misdiagnosed um, for many people over the years. 
And I think that it, that people are speaking out more. I think they're trying to shed that stigma, which I'm grateful that they're doing that. And people are speaking up and saying like, hey, we need we need help here. It's almost, and I'm a little older, and it's almost like every one of us uh, knows uh, someone, a family member, a neighbor, a spouse, and so forth, that has uh, uh, some of these uh, symptoms. Explain to us just exactly what is this broad category dementia, and what, what are some of the things that fall under that category? Yeah, and you use the, the, the right term, uh, broad, broad category. So dementia is a broad term, broad, broad category, that, um, that is used to describe a syndrome, which is really just a group of symptoms, symptoms which may include uh, many times it's memory impairment. It can be impaired uh, judgment, uh, decision making, um, uh, decreased ability to be able to communicate and find the right words, um, being able to do familiar tasks uh, that you've been doing all your life, be, being able to uh, drive and find this, the uh, familiar places. Um, depth perception can sometimes be impacted. And when we say dementia, it, ha- it include, includes some or all of these symptoms and is contributed by specific diseases. And most people are very familiar with the term Alzheimer's disease. And we think that Alzheimer's disease uh, accounts for at least 50% of these. And then other, other not so well-known causes or diseases are vascular type dementia, um, Lewy body type dementia, frontal temporal type dementia, and there, there, there are many others. But th- how does that differ from me walking into a room to do something, Matt, and then uh, after about uh, five minutes, I've done 10 things except the one that I went in the room to do. Uh, is that, and some people get scared by that. Is that, is that a, a reason to, to, to be concerned? Uh, many people do get scared at that, and they should not, because it is normal for people to, to do what you just described. And even me, I'm in my early 40s, and I will do the same thing. And as long, like a good, a good way to look at it is if, if you eventually remember why you went in there for the last task, or you eventually remember where you left your car keys, we attribute that just to being busy, um, lack of sleep, um, other things that, you know, just having a lot going on as, as, as somebody who's working or somebody who's retired or somebody who's a parent. I know uh, someone like yourself who's dedicated your life to gerontology and to, and to dealing with this, and I know you have a backstory, and I think it would be real important for our viewers and for our listeners, especially if they've got a, a spouse or a, a family member, grandma, grandpa, somebody that, that is uh, uh, suffering from dementia. How did, how did you get involved, Matt, and, and, and why um, move forward as you did to really study it and then dedicate your, your, your life and ministry to it? Yeah, and, and, and like you, you had said earlier, uh, many of us know someone or have known someone with a type of dementia. And for me, that's no exception. It's what got me started. So in the late 1990s, um, so I went, to, I went off to college in 1995, and um, in, in, in my junior and senior year, um, my grandfather, my, my mom's father, uh, developed memory impairment and different behavioral um, issues and patterns, and it was determined that he hit, we still, we still don't know what type, but we determined that he had some type of dementia. And um, my mom kind of kept us um, at an arm's length. I think she was trying to protect us from, you know, from some of the things he was doing. 
um, or from being hurt ourselves or, you know, seeing grandpa like that. Um, and so she took on the burden um, and, but that, and we went off to college and my, my brother and I went off to college and we kept tabs and kept in touch with mom and things, how grandpa was doing. But that moment uh, when she, when she sat me down and told me and my brother that it never left me. And I always thought there are, you know, with that personal experience, as well as we see the, uh, the baby boomers, those who were born between 1946 and 1964, which is this very large uh, demographic group, and they're moving through. And just knowing that the dementias are typically your, your highest, your greatest risk factor is age, even though it's not normal aging, age is one of those um, important indicators. So just knowing that um, we were going to have an aging population and knowing how devastating dementia can be, it just never left me. So um, I didn't go into immediately. My, my bachelor's um, from Auburn University is in hotel restaurant management. So I did that for a little while. I went to grad school and got an MBA. And it wasn't until after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans in 2005, where like so many people were saying, you know, is this a chance to start over or do something new? And for me, um, I had already I had already got, gotten into hospitals and healthcare, but I decided in 2006 that I would start my master's in gerontology based on what I saw my mom and my grand grandfather go through. So your mom was the was the primary caretaker for your grandfather. Correct. Yes, he never did move in because um, he lived he lived by himself um, until he moved into a facility. But yes, yeah, she was the only child and the only person that could really take care of him. It's uh, it's very interesting to me that you you know you correlate this decision making also to Hurricane Katrina that that had to be a devastating effect on a whole lot of people who who lost their homes and 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 you know livelihoods or at least as they knew them prior to Katrina is that what happened to your family as well Yes we uh, my wife and I um, we had gotten married I guess it was eighteen it was, it was March of twenty uh, of two thousand three March of two thousand three. And Katrina came uh, two years later. And when Katrina hit in August of 2005, we had just moved into a home in her old neighborhood in Chalmette, Louisiana. And that was one of the areas that was hit pretty hardly as far as, uh, pretty hard as far as like you took depth of water. We had 10 feet um, that hit the house. Um, thankfully, no, we, we evacuated when we were supposed to. We had insurance, so really it was just a matter of um, you know, just find out where we're going to live next and uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, let's talk about. Uh, uh, so you you began uh, your career, and what uh, what brought about the book? What, I I love the way you've you you set the book up. Tell us a little bit about how the book set up. And and I'm I know a lot of people are saying, well, how could you have peace with dementia and tie that to a rosary? How do you, how did you do that? Give us a little connection of the rosary and Our Lady to uh, the work you do. I'd be happy to. So the way that, that the book is set up, it's built around the rosary. And by that, I mean, um, we, we know there are uh, 20 unique decades um, in, in a rosary. And um, so what I did is I went through each of them and I picked, I guess you could say I picked 20 of my favorite um, lessons or nuggets of wisdom that I've learned through school, but mostly through caregivers um, and put them in this book. So with each mystery, there's some kind of um, lesson about dementia, as well as a specific prayer intention for that knowledge. Um, and uh, one example is the, the second joyful mystery is the visitation when Mary visited Elizabeth. 
And I take that opportunity to talk about how important it is that when there is a diagnosis and even when there is a suspicion and not even an actual diagnosis that, um, that friends and family continue to visit that loved one who has a memory impairment. Because not only is it the, you know, is it the Christian thing to do, um, it is that the research will back up the fact that someone who receives more visits has this virtual or this, that this emotional network around them that helps strengthen them. Uh, it's stronger than someone else who does not have as many visits or any visits at all. So we, mm -hmm. even, even without providing, even without friends and family not providing physical help, just being around visits, phone calls, emails, text messages. This can help both the person living with dementia and the care partner tremendously. And I'm sure you hear all the time that it's real difficult to, to visit that person because they don't even remember me. They don't know that I'm the son or the daughter, uh, uh, you know, that their son or their daughter. Uh, talk a little bit about that. I explain why that we should put that aside and just and just care about the person involved. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of research about why, but but just in talking with, with care partners over the years and talking talking to families and just kind of our, our our collective hypothesis are what you what you said like people will come up with reasons like they're not gonna they they're they're not gonna remember who I am, or they're not even once I leave they're not even gonna remember why I'm there, or you know what I want to visit I, I want to remember uh, my loved one my friend who I grew up with, I want to remember them as they were, not as who they are now. So there's, mm. there's a handful of excuses that, that people leave and they're not, they're not, they're not good excuses, but they're valid excuses. I can see where people um, feel that way. Uh, but we can see through, through education, through teaching people um, or educate, trying to educate people how to, how to have these conversations and how to, and, and to emphasize that, look, this is still the person that raised you, or this is the person that you grew up with. And yes, they, they may or may not remember your name and they may or may not remember the experience. But once you leave, there's they're going to be feeling they're going to you're going to leave them with a, a pleasant moment, um, possibly a lasting feeling of uh, a good feeling for the rest of the day, if not, if not the week. So you just it's one of those things where you just need to we need to get over ourselves and how uncomfortable it is and to um, do the right thing and, 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 and take that chance. You know, we're taking a chance. We're going out of our comfort zone to, to, to reach out um, because it's not until we start taking chances, as with many things in life, it's not until we, we, we go outside our comfort zone that we could possibly make a positive difference for them. And many times the person who's visiting is going to have an amazing experience themselves. For themselves. Matt, talks a little bit about how the book is being used. I, I'm sure you had in your mind how you would like to have seen the book used when you wrote it. Is that what's happened, or is there some other uses that people have had for the book? Well, I, I do get uh, good feedback from people who are, um, who are reading the book and, and, and going through it by themselves as a care partner, or at times um, going through the book, or at least saying the rosary with their loved one who has dementia, because we've found that Many people, many, many people remember the prayers. They remember the rosary. They take comfort in the rosary. Um, uh, something that we're piloting now in Baton Rouge, um, actually it starts on October 7th on the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Um, there, We have a parish there that's going to pilot the first Peace with Dementia Rosary Support Group. And the parish, uh, they purchased 30 books. I'm going to sign them. 
and uh, deliver them. And they're going to start a weekly support group where uh, slash book club where they're, everybody's reading the same chapters um, through the course of the book. They meet, they say a rosary, they talk a little bit about the book. And then they also, it also uh, then grows into the support group that many people are familiar with, which is, you know, I'm sharing updates about me and my loved one and I'm sharing frustrations and I'm sharing um, successes and I'm sharing challenges that we might be able to brainstorm around. What a great idea uh, to have support group like that and for people to understand they're not alone in this, that there are others and, and to be able to, to share some ideas and some things that have worked or, or will work. Uh, what a great use of the book to be able to go through it uh, as a group uh, and do that. How do you envision that? You envision uh, others uh, in other parts of the country getting in contact with your ministry to set something up? Uh, uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, that, your thoughts on that area. Yes, uh, that, that is the vision that, uh, that this is just the first of many Peace of Dementia Rosary groups that are gonna expand throughout the country. And uh, so I foresee, you know, parishes um, contacting me or parishes getting together, saying like, hey, we have three parishes that are close, close and we're gonna combine our resources and people and, and have one. Um, I'm starting to develop a, a facilitator guide and training mm-hmm. manual so that, so that anybody, anybody who, who has the heart of a caregiver um, is able to sort of go through the process, go through the book, have talking points, and even even as that I develop that, it would be I would offer weekly or monthly, you know, things to bring up. Or it could be a quote, it could be a passage, something that they want to bring up that they may want to bring up in the support group. So, so in the end, we have a network of rosary groups that have um, support from me and others that have fresh education in addition to the book, and we just reach as many families as possible. You mentioned praying the rosary with the uh, with with your uh, your friend or your relative with uh, dementia. Have you had any stories come back to you as to you know even though they may not remember my name, but as we go through the decades of the rosary, that that something is happening there, that something uh, uh, um, is resonating. Yeah, I, I don't have many people that per se are going through the book where their loved one's able to read it or understand it, but. The book is, uh, you know, at least it, you can be. There are still pe- persons living with dementia that can read and that can read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably geared more towards the care partner and sort of being a vehicle and motivation to approach their loved one. And yes, I have, so I, in answer your question, yes, I've heard many stories of someone who was uh, not even persons living with dementia who are nonverbal, so they've lost this ability or interest in speaking. Um, but they're able to find the words to the Hail Mary and to the Our Father and the Glory Be um, and, and, and the, the um, Hail Holy Queen, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, it's it's heartwarming to hear that, that people are still doing that. And and there are even nursing homes and assisted living facilities and churches that are, you know, encouraging this already. Um, so I'm glad to, you know, just be another voice of let's keep it up. Let's, let's introduce the rosary, not just for, you know, our... Um, our salvation for our own prayers, but also, you know, to engage our loved ones, something that's very familiar. I know the foreword of your book, which I read with interest by uh, your friend, Brian LeBlanc, uh, talked about uh, early onset dementia. And 
I guess a lot of people, when they hear about dementia, that seems to be, uh, I'm going to put it in these words, worse than a death sentence because uh, uh, it's a progressive thing that will only get worse and, and never improve. Spend a minute or two. Tell, tell me a little bit about this idea of on, early onset dementia. Maybe share some, some thoughts from your friend, uh, Brian. Yeah, so early onset, or it's even known as young onset Alzheimer's, is when someone is diagnosed, or it's a probable diagnosis, um, of someone with dementia prior to 65 years of age. Mm-hmm. And 65 is just that, that, that year that, you know, just Medicare, you know, is, you know, Medicare, Medicare picks. So it's kind of like that marker. Uh, so prior, um, it's, it's unusual, it's less likely um, that someone has dementia before uh, they are 65. So that can create a lot more confusion um, with family and friends because they don't, you know, this here's someone like Brian who was, you know, in his late fifties when he got, got diagnosed and you think it's other things other than dementia is the last thing that you think it is. So they're looking for, you know, other causes of it, not thinking that it's gonna be dementia um, so that makes it especially, um, I guess, hard to diagnose because it's not obvious. Uh, and it, it makes it makes it especially tragic because someone prior to 19, I mean, prior to the age of 65, they're, they, they're probably still working. They, um, they, or maybe they just started enjoying their, their, uh, their retirement and starting to travel and do all these things that they've had plans for decades to do. And then I even um, I even know uh, people who are in their 40s and they still have children that um, have this strange, rare, young onset of a dementia, and it just it's it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And 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 do you have some people that are using your book in that way? Some of your reflections in the book in that way to kind of just help them on that as they go through that uh, life journey. I do, I do, and I and I think specifically somebody in their early 40s, um, married to someone that um, went to high school with my wife, and he's in the very early stages. Uh, I'm sorry, not in the early stages, but he's in the young stages of um, of dementia, and he's not doing very well right now. So it's progressed very rapidly for him, and they're not even sure what type of dementia that it is. But 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 them specifically, very faithful Catholic family have told me how much the book is meant to them and how the reflections and the, the education, the, the, the reflection have been um, really edifying. The, the, edu- the, the education has been very validating um, so that they, because they know mm-hmm. there are other people that um, have contributed to this book and if, you know, so there are other people out there having these feelings of people not coming around or, um, uh, trying to figure out how we still keep our love engaged in family traditions. Mm-hmm. I know the book, and you mentioned uh, your friend was Catholic, and the book is written from a Catholic perspective. Have you heard from uh, any uh, Protestant groups or other groups that that they're getting something from uh, the, the book and the reflections in the book as well? Yes, I have. Um, I have a, a friend uh, who's a caregiver, and they're in the Baptist denomination, and uh, they 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 love the book. They've even put a they put some kind words on Amazon for the uh, for the book review, but uh, but yeah, she I, I think the way she put it was don't let the title fool you. This is for you know this is this is for Christians, and you're going to get a lot out of it. 
Talk a little bit about your podcast, because I know you also do a podcast in association with this. I had a chance to to listen to to one of them. Give me a give me a sense of the podcast and what you're doing with that, and how people can access it. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So I've had the piece with the. I'm sorry, I gotta say this right because I've. Um, I'm gonna, and soon I'll have two podcasts. So I have the Peace with Dementia podcast that I've had since 2018. I think I have 32 episodes, and these have been episodes of me talking about specific specific. Uh, gerontological or scientific um, aspects of dementia and tips. And uh, so I'll have guests or it's, or it's just me. Um, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, all, all the different Podbean, all the different platforms. You can find it on YouTube. It's through the Whole Care Network, which is a network of about a dozen other podcasts that that have that uh, handle some aspect of caregiving. It might be financial. It might be spiritual. Uh, so, you know, walking along caregivers in this large area of caregiving. And uh, I have plans for in October of, so very soon, October of uh, 2020 to launch the Peace with Dementia Rosary podcast, which will be, be, which will be built specifically around the book, um, Christian and Catholic Guests that um, that um, join me to talk about different aspects of dementia. It could be medical providers, it could be authors, uh, but I'm very excited about that. And I already have the episodes because I've been, um, I've been having guests on my monthly Dementia Rosary and Q&A since June. So I'm gonna utilize the audio from that into the beginnings of that podcast in October. Fantastic. Um, where, do, where would uh, someone go about getting the book, Matt? Uh, the, it's 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 all over. Um, I I, I, fir, I first send people ask that they go to dementiarosary.com, and the reason is because while you can get it everywhere, everywhere you can get it on Amazon. Um, purchasing it from from my website helps to keep more of the funds in the ministry, so that I can um, use it for web hosting and use it use it for PR and use it for um, all the different little mail mailchimp subscriptions, all these different things that that keep a ministry going, that helps. But, you know, however many, however people get it um, is, uh, you know, great for me. Yeah, I do the same thing with book sales, and, and people realize if we sell them through our website, we get to keep more of the proceeds, which allows us to, to put that money back uh, uh, into the ministry. How about yourself? How, how If somebody is really interested and would like to get uh, or follow you, follow you on social media, follow your podcast, give us some of the uh, addresses where that might happen. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll kind of rattle off a list. Um, but I'll say that uh, overall, the best place is to go to the website, uh, DementiaRosary.com, because there you, you'll see the blog. You can access the, um, the, the podcast, at least the current podcast that I have right now, um, and uh, the blog. So I, do, um, I have an, a weekly newsletter that has a new blog article every week. Um, but I'm, I'm on, if you name it, I'm probably on it. So I'm on Facebook and YouTube, um, on Twitter. Um, and and up interest, Instagram. So um, so a whole nother, a handful of those. But the like the hub I'd say is dementiarosary.com because there you can go, you can find all the other places. And I do want to mention the um, dementia prayer wall that is also at the website. So this is an opportunity for anybody to with the with the click of a button and entering a few uh, their first name and and um, their intention they'll they'll make their prayer intention accessible for visitors of the website who can pray 
And then after they prayed for your, the, their, your intention, they can click a button that says, I prayed for you. And then you get an email that says, so that Tony prayed for your intention. What a terrific idea. What a, what a great idea. Matt, this has been a very quick uh, half hour, and I really uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, the uh, book, again, is The Peace with Dementia Rosary, Education, Intentions, and Community. If you're a caregiver uh, of someone with one of these uh, types of dementias, this is a book that I'm sure will be a blessing to you. Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. God bless, Tony. Thank you. God bless you. Well, that's our program for today. My thanks to Matt Estrade, who's a gerontologist, speaker, and a wonderful, wonderful author, blogger, uh, podcaster uh, on the subject of dementia. His new book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, is available everywhere. Um, the program premieres at 6 p.m. on Wednesday evenings and is available on YouTube at the Fiat Ministry Network, Patchwork Heart Ministries, at TonyAgnesi.com and at my YouTube page, Tony, YouTube.com slash TonyAgnesi. Be sure to subscribe while you're there so you don't miss a single program. The radio program is produced by the Living Bread Radio Network and airs on their stations. You can check their schedule for times and dates. The program is also available on the storytellersradio.com and on Breadbox Media, the Catholic podcasting site. And all of the podcasts are available everywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google, iTunes, uh, Google, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, you name it. This is Tony Agnesi. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next week on another edition of The Storyteller. you've enjoyed today's edition of the storytellers with tony agnesi to learn more about today's storyteller go to the storytellersradio.com there you can subscribe to the podcast and hear all of our past shows and join us again next week at the same time for the storytellers with tony agnesi Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.